are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls. Lorcas! Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. Ta-ta. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Lotus of Doom, and Lotus, we have a very special guest today. It's true. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just like, well, you're, you're the co-host. You're not, you're not a guest. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast together for years, and I just realized yeah, no. that Lotus has been my guest every single episode. Spoiler alert, I'm actually not a co-host. I'm just the longest running guest on any podcast ever. That's amazing. Ever. Wow. Well, here, well, here, let's introduce him. Michael Zenke, lore master from Zenimax, Zenimax Studios. I can't talk. My, my mouth is not working, working well. Uh, welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, we got to chat a little bit in Vegas. Um, I think that's the first time you and I have officially met each other, although I've been I've been a fan of the things you've been working on for a long time. And um, um, recently, we're able to set this up in order to have you on the show. And we've got Necrom coming in just a few weeks. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be exciting for you. I know every time your team rolls out a new set of content for the year, all that stuff. Uh, first of all, what's that like? I mean, let's let's just get into that a little bit. Uh, it never gets old. Uh, that's uh, it is very much one of the reasons I'm still doing this. I've been doing this for over a decade and that closing element where we all dig deep and get the thing out the door is uh, absolutely it's it's a lot. It's a it's a it's a heck of a lot, but it's a really good experience. Um, I know uh, Tom Murphy, the lead, uh, the design lead on this release is still um battening down the hatches um uh, thanks to feedback and other stuff and um but yeah it's it's great to see this thing that's been in all of our heads now for the better part of a year uh become uh, you know a a real boy which is uh, delightful (laughs) A real boy. Yeah. And we got a glimpse of it at ESO Vegas. We got to see a little bit more that you revealed some of it back in like January. We got a little bit more of a glimpse of what was coming. Some awesome panels going over you know, voice actors and uh, some of the art direction and all, all of these other things. And so all of that was so awesome to be a part of. Uh, but Lotus and I have some other questions. We wanted to talk to you a little bit more about Hermaeus Mora, um, about Morrowind, the Necrom area mm-hmm. of and the peninsula, all of that. So here, let's Let's get into it. So uh, my first question, uh, so seemingly everybody 
knows because everybody and their mom, including mine, has played Skyrim. <laughs> I, I did a series on YouTube where and, and it's live streams where my mom would make the decisions, but I played the character. <laughs> That's great. And it was amazing because they were very entertaining. There were moments that like viciousness came out of her. And I was like, I do not know who this woman <laughs> is. This is amazing. Um, but anyway, Hermes Moore was a key character from the Dragonborn DLC for Skyrim. Right. What was it like for you personally getting to work to bring this character into ESO? Obviously, he's already been a part of ESO, but even more is like a bigger focus. Absolutely. So uh, I mentioned Tom Rayfield before. It's worth noting that, that my role on the team is very specific. Um, I'm like sort of the in-house bard. I'm the support guy um, uh-huh. that a lot of people can tap into as a resource when they want to talk about new stuff or, um, hey, we want to do this slightly differently. Um, Tom Murphy, the zone lead, my boss, Bill Slavisek, uh, Rich Lambert, Jeremy Sarah, the, they're the folks that kind of uh, run the ship. And then the, the rest of the team, the writers and designers, animators, artists, world builders, they're the ones that really bring this whole thing, kicking, screaming into the world, making it a real boy, right? Yeah. Um, that incredible crew has... It's been awesome to watch as they take uh, old Squidface and turn him from this, <laughs> you know, very specific characterization, right? That we see in uh, Skyrim, that we see in even the launch game of ESO, right. and translate him into this very new context. Um, my part of that has been incredibly rewarding. Um, primarily, I'd say the biggest contributions I've made sort of directly to this release are through. I was the writer for uh, Xander Alcibiades, um, the one of the companions, and then um, uh, I worked very closely with Brian Wheeler on the Arcanist class. Um, so those components and and where it touched Hermes more as many tentacles uh-huh. are sort of where I had a lot of like direct contribution. But like I said, as support guy, it's it's lots and lots of conversations about tentacles, uh, <laughs> lots of conversations about like you know what the um, uh, what the inevitable inevitable knower would like think about X, Y, or Z. Um, I think in some of the PTS stuff that people have seen and in some of the stuff from the Vegas event, you've seen some of the incredible, like not just like world building, but some of the uh, architecture, some of the buildings, some of yeah, the... Yeah, it's very unique. Uh, oh my gosh, man. And the, it's cool sorry, that you expanded so much on it from what we had seen prior to where... We've seen Apocrypha, like actually just going back to the Dragonborn expansion type of thing, but there's so much more to it than those sort of, for lack of a better word, linear corridors that you were led down by exploring the Black Books. This is much more of the realm itself, like you guys have done with the other Daedric realms that we've seen. So, Absolutely. Right in in Skyrim, a great goal, right, by the Bethesda team, because they wanted to give that sort of very... um, loose like ephemeral experience where each time you dropped in through a black book to apocrypha you were like kind of a little, little island out in that great abyssal sea those inky waters stretching off to the horizon with eso obviously we have we have sort of different design goals so you we need you to be down on the ground and able to walk from point a to point b um but yeah no i i've spent a lot of time now talking about like what a apocryphal ink pot or bookcase or whatever will look like and i just it's i mean the, the art folks 
on Elder Scrolls Online have been knocking it out of the park for, you know, the better part of a decade now. And this time, oh, yeah. I, I think they have outdone themselves. This is incredible. Yeah. So. Well, well, let's talk a little bit more about Apocrypha because uh, these Daedric realms are much more expansive than any one glimpse we've gotten in any of the games. Uh, according to the lore, there's there's always a lot more going on there than we know, right? And your team, like you mentioned, the team at Zoss is well known for taking the lore and these locations and characters and expanding on them in really fun and creative. And then also sometimes surprising ways. Sometimes we get a glimpse of something and surprising in a good way. Like uh, we we only have it's, it's like looking at something through a, a keyhole, right? Like we have this one little glimpse of Apocrypha from one DLC in one game in a series that has spanned going on three decades now. Right. And like you get a chance to show us more about what's going on in this world. So when it comes to a place like Apocrypha, what kinds of inspiration did you draw from in order to expand on this? So I know very strongly that the the team drew from obviously, you know, you can't talk about more without talking about uh, Lovecraft. Um, bit right. of a, a right. challenging figure in his own way but sure um, yeah yeah the, I mean, you can't transplant him from his own time into our time without some major social issues with right. some of his writings <laughs> right. but putting that stuff aside cthulhu yep. and ancient yeah. gods and all of that is still very inspirational for modern current day fiction absolutely and and uh you can you know you just need to look up in the sky uh to see the tentacles sort of you know wriggling their way out of the the sky portals or um i love the glyphics for some reason those things just really have stuck with me they feature pretty heavily in the dungeons and the prologue before the uh, coming up to necrom and those cool little boxes of secrets just um really I, i think they're just such a great addition to the lore um the inspiration obviously you know very strongly lovecraftian um on on many different axes um like you mentioned before we've seen apocrypha before in a specific context but uh chroma incognito is a whole new ball game um color out of space full weirdness um I, i when you when you walk through chroma and you see those like weird wriggling like ink plants come like you know slurping out of the ground (laughs) um that you like you know you know like you were saying right like each of the oblivion realms has its very own its own vibe and its own thing about it and i think because there was so much great material both from skyrim and from um the work that tom murphy and bill slavisek did to to create this space for us to explore like holy cats like the 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 way it's been realized in the game uh i i can't wait for everybody to get a chance to to get in there um the thing that i think i'm most excited about in terms of like apocrypha specifically is it's we've never really seen how mortals specifically interact with the realm right like uh arcanists come directly from that notion uh, oh. they're not beholden to hermaeus mora they draw their power from the daedric realm and so um arc, every arcanist 
kind of has their own story that you as a player, right? You get to decide what that is. Like, what's my connection to the Daedric realm? Um, The Cyphers of the Eye are a very interesting faction that work and exist in the realm of Apocrypha. And and what's their deal? And why why does Mora allow them to be there? And then, of course, there's like the downside of that, which is like, if you spend too much time in Apocrypha, you end up as one of the Hushed, which is one of the new sort of creatures like scuttling around in Apocrypha you know, you don't, they don't have like, they don't have faces so much yeah. anymore. It's, it's pretty, it's challenging. It's some, there's some challenging stuff. Uh, so yeah, watch, watch out for, um, uh, watch out for a book that will take your face. That's my like takeaway for you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. As a person. <laughs> yeah. um, it's All a right. Rough time. All right. Good, good note. Good note. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I, I think you you're onto something here because one of the one of the appeals of role playing games is the ability to role play your character in that world. Right. So to create an Arcanist <clears throat> and have your own backstory and your own connection to this realm and Hermaeus Mora and that's part of the fun. It's part of the fun of making these other characters and being in this place that is um, can, over the last decade has become more and more fleshed out with all of these different zones and all these interactions and all of that. So that part is really cool. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about a good old Hermie um, by his nature. He's very mysterious. Right. He's very knowing of and also knowing of all sorts of kinds of knowledge. Very expansive. Right. And without ruining too much, what can you share about our understanding of him and how that will change and grow? Because every time you take on one of these realms or one of the Daedric Princes with a new story, we get a a more fleshed out view of them. It becomes a little bit more three dimensional. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of like the whole book thing that's going on with this whole thing, it's like we get another chapter to whatever it is each time we kind of address this, which is one of the things that I'm so excited about with this is this is all my like favorite stuff. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, this is so, the year like, of Lotus. If, yeah, no, yeah, the, running the running joke. Running joke. That, yeah. Um, I had a couple criticisms last year of like some of the combat things and it felt like you guys took it personally and decided to give me literally everything I ever wanted. The following announcement, like, here you go, Lotus, shut up. Thoughtful of you to give me everything I've ever wanted. So, (laughs) well, I'm glad you're into it. Um, uh, Hermes Mora. So yeah, I mean, every time we get a chance to, to like, bring a Daedric Prince forward, right? It's about like, what's what's our goal? I mentioned this a little bit at the Vegas event, but um, Hermie actually showed up kind of like as a as an outgrowth, as a natural extension of the narrative that um, Bill and Tom and the other leadership folks were like um, honing in on, you know, a secret so powerful it could unravel the universe. Yeah, that sounds like um, a Hermie thing. Yeah, very, very much so, so yeah. very much so. Yeah. Um, and so with that as a thing that came you know front and center him sort of worming his way onto this onto the stage like getting his tentacles in the mix that was like um something that came as part of the the as the story developed right so the hermaeus more that we get to see in this release is substantively different in a lot of ways from the mora that you've seen either in um skyrim where he's he needs, you know, a mortal's help, obviously, but but as you can tell, there's like there's a lot of baggage there, right? With how how uh, that yeah. story, how that narrative plays out, and right. then and, in, and, and it's also two ages of the world after the events that we're seeing in ESO. Right. Right. So there there probably has been some character development and, and experience that has happened. Absolutely, I mean, Mora in particular, right? Like I I would, you know, I and I think we 
both in like lore previously and in in the game now we definitely have some conversations about like does Mora engage with time right in the same way that a right. lot of other people do right that's One of a his, great question that's yeah. yeah yeah one of his portfolios is fate right and so um the threads of fate and how they play into both this story and then um sort of where Mora's I'm going to use the word head here, but you know, it's like a metaphysical head <laughs> where Morris head is in this narrative. Right. Um, that's a very specific place here for this release. So the more that you get into, get to interact with is trying to find a way to engage with you as a mortal to a specific end, because of course that's what every Daedric Prince want. They, we don't get to talk to Daedric Princes unless they want something, right? Like that's that's kind right. of how that goes. Right. And what they want um, isn't always clear or lines up with what we want or any of that. But I would say yeah. almost never. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even when you think it does, there's a lot of misdirection. <laughs> right. But one of the things that's really great about this context is so often the princes end up being, you know, not the mustache twirling bag. I don't think we have really any like truly mustache twirling bad guys in, in ESO, but like mm -hmm. they're pretty clearly on the bad guy side, right? Like when yeah. Oleg Bull shows up, you right. know what he wants, right? Yeah, that I was going to say, so, some of them are a lot easier to defend than others. <laughs> right, exactly. So Mora here in this context is much more of like as neutral as a Daedric Prince kind of gets, right? Like in the original release of the game, uh, we feature some fun... I would say more neutral interactions with, with Daedric Princess as well. And mm -hmm. it's more along that axis where you can kind of look at Moore's motivations and you can look at his actions and try to, you can kind of apply some mortal logic and like um, a morality to his, his choices in a way that I don't think, especially, sorry, especially in Skyrim, right? Like in Skyrim, the stuff that, that Moore does is like very, is, purposefully i think so inscrutable right and here yeah. i think you get a little to you get to get inside his head a little bit more um now is that because he wants you to be inside his head or like what's the deal there anyway so i'm just i'm right. just throwing out ideas right. yeah it's, it's fun stuff yeah what's the um, transaction going on what, yeah, what's right, in yeah. it for him there's what's always all some of type that? of payment yeah one exactly. of the things lotus and i have talked about with with hermes more is that he, of all the daedric princes he's kind of like a force of nature He's he's very close to just like sometimes the volcano erupts and it blows up your right. village, but it probably didn't have anything out for your village. It probably just did that because it's a volcano. Yeah. Uh, Hermes Mort is kind of I mean, most uh, you could describe all the Daedric Princes kind of in this way. This is just fun, fun foundationally who they are. And so they do their sure. things that they do. But when it comes to forbidden knowledge and fate and all of it, that just feels like it's part They're of the fabric of reality in a way yeah there's a lot of passive neutrality with Hermes more <laughs> absolutely well i mean it's one of the things you're, you're calling it a great thing it's one of my favorite things about the setting actually right uh adra and daedra right like adra are a very specific thing they are the creators right they are they are a very it's a very specific term daedra just means not that not our ancestors right, right. exactly yeah, yeah. Right. right not I, I characterize it as like not from around here, right? Because <laughs> right. I mean, it's true, right? Like Daedric Prince is a catch-all term used to describe a bunch of like extraordinarily powerful beings, most of which don't really have anything to do with each other. You know, obviously there's like a core group that are like siblings of after fashion, but more is a great example. Like 
where the hell did that guy come from? I don't know. Right. Like right, the lore right. is like very vague about where more more is tentacular like yeah. presence occurred and like and it's it disagrees with itself in a number of different places about like what more even is. Yeah. Um which I I love that stuff, right? I love yeah. the idea that just like, you know, in like in true Lovecraftian fashion Mora might be from somewhere else, right? right. Yeah, he's, he's here in our sort of sphere of influence in our 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 world, but um, yeah, not yeah. <laughs> maybe not originally. So it's it's fun stuff. I love right. No, I, I, this. I agree with that. It's very cool, just because it's even more gray than some of the other gray definitive right. things. It's like, well, there's not a lot of black and white when it comes to Elder Scrolls stuff, and more is like even more gray than most things, just because right. it's like there's so little concrete, I guess, both physically and metaphorically mm-hmm. about the character that I've always just thought is very neat, where it's just like really hard to nail much down with the character. This Absolutely. also this also connects to uh, real world religion. Um, I have a, I have two bachelor's degrees, religious studies and philosophy. I just studied all deep thoughts on everything. Um, but this is one of the things you see in religions across the world is right. that there it's the unreliable narrator thing, because every religious book, every document is written by multiple people from multiple perspectives at different times in history about similar topics and the concepts and the ways those topics evolved over time. And people's understanding about the truth or whatever it was has changed over time. And the same thing happens in Elder Scrolls games where right. you have different perspectives from different people or different cultures and the ways they interacted and it's all it's all just seeing pieces of a whole and sometimes those things seem to contradict and that's how our own reality works which is what makes that so freaking cool um, but here we need to move on to some other stuff we've got to talk about Necrom did you want to ask a question about Necrom Lotus? yeah so I actually want to um, I, I we've got four that's in that two-part thing but I really want to just get this one addressed just because this kind of yeah. falls more into my weird sphere of playing all of the Elder Scrolls games yeah we only have so much <laughs> so, time so we're just gonna we're gonna pick yeah, the hits so and, I was gonna say, and move so, through it um, Necrom is a place that really was barely even fleshed out in Arena, the Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls 1, um, and has mostly just kind of been like a reference here or there within the lore. Was there anything specifically interesting you found about addressing this area again? Because it's kind of like untapped lore. It happened. Um, it, you guys have kind of addressed it weird little tidbits like this throughout the series. And I, I recently have enjoyed a lot of your weird deep cuts to like games like Battlespire and stuff that I know a lot of people are just like, yep, it's just a name. It's like, no, that is a Battlespire reference. And all four of us that played it totally get it. But like, <laughs> yeah. th- this is another one that it's like, it's been a long time since we've actually seen the very pixelated version of Necrom that we could see before. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, also, okay. I'll, I'll try to be focused in my answer. Cause it's like a lot to this, obviously. So, <laughs> Um, the the big thing here, right, that I think um, uh, Tom and the, the the designers and the writers were really like inspired by is how can we look at the Dark Elves? How can we look at this culture that um, has now been tread and retread several different times across the original Morrowind release, our own Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind release, uh, in the original launch game, Stonefall, Deshaun, like there's there's a lot of water under the bridge for the Dark Elves as a culture, right? How can we find a new axis to like look at this fascinating group of people and try to like get back in to talking about Dark Elves in a way that we can all kind of be back at square one and find something new and excited to talk about. 
that's i think where this came from obviously the telvani themselves as um i would call them stewards of the peninsula uh they're a fascinating cultural group all to themselves right they have a ton of internality to them a, a bunch of different ways of like looking at the world and engaging with the world just for the fact alone that they're not part of the three banners war sets them apart entirely from every almost every other dark elf i think that we've kind of featured in the game previously and then you go a level below that to the city of necrom itself the keepers of the dead um dark elf ancestor worship and you get into like like you were saying sort of this deep gooey nougaty center of of wonderful storytelling opportunity um that was i think really about like i said finding a new axis being able to go back in some very real ways to the the roots of what makes dark elves dark elves right that we've done stories in elder scrolls online before about their um, dark elves interactions with their ancestors yeah but the chimer you go back in time and interact with the chimer and like yeah absolutely, absolutely. yeah i'm I was the writer for Stone Falls. So uh, all of that crazy Brothers of Strife stuff and the, um, <laughs> I, in particular, the there's an objective there called Othrenus, which is literally yep. just like, hey, grandpappy, could you like not harsh my relationship, <laughs> even though you've been dead for like 200 years? Can <laughs> yep. you get off my back, please? Chill out, <laughs> ghost. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that like, you know, as a storyteller, as a game designer, right, like just gets just gets us super psyched up right and um that that's necrom writ large right that necrom is that element of their culture just stacked on top of itself the the very bones of the city itself where did they come from what's that so to say to say this concisely i think Necron represents a host of new opportunities to talk about dark elf culture a chance for everybody to kind of be you know None of us can go back to that place we were before we played Morrowind for the first time, right? But but something like that, right? Where we walk into Necrom and everything's weird and cool and you don't know what's going on again, kind of all over again. And and that's what Necrom represents, I think, in this release for us. Yeah. So, okay. So, as we're delving into this location, how does... How like can you give us any specifics about how it feels different or how the society feels different? Like, right, because what? we have had other than the game Morrowind and obviously having points where we've jumped back to the region throughout the series as a whole. Right, um, we had you know the base game portions of Morrowind that were on the mainland, and then we had Morrowind the chapter. So it was like the Vardenfell that we all knew from well old, those of us old enough to have played the elder scrolls 3 <laughs> right. um, 20 years ago uh, yeah yeah what um yeah so it's like it's kind of interesting because you're back again so yeah kind of a robot's point it's like this is revisiting it again but not quite the same right not at all and so i, I don't want to get too specific uh, to avoid you know like I, i'd love you know i can't wait for people to play this and, and sure. see what it's like but um, sure, to talk about some like high-level cultural stuff. Sure. Um, the interaction between um, uh, tribunal clergy, in particular, and the the keepers of the dead is something that we play with sort of um, front and center. That's a that's a pretty I think pretty soon after walking into the city. That's a that's sort of a narrative element you run into, and every other. Pretty much every other dark elf, right? That you've met in Elder Scrolls Online before, you could probably throw a rock and say like, eh. They're probably they're probably you know 
ball a tribunal, right? <laughs> they probably they probably care about Almalexia. They probably care about Sothisil. That's not the most important thing in Necrom, right? It this this you mentioned the Chimera, right? This ancient ancestor worship that goes way. Back. Necrom is a city that was established before the battle of red mountain right like it's it's it is a settlement older than dark elves being dark elves and so the the narrative substrate the like um that you you mentioned before the philosophy and religion like the underpinnings of the philosophy and re- religiosity of these people in this particular settlement um are completely orthogonal to all the other like Dark Elves we've we've seen in the game before. And so that how that plays out, how those ch- change priorities, not only change like the kinds of things they say and the things they care about, but how that imp- impacts the quests that we end up having you do in that area. That's the thing I'm like super psyched for people to see and engage with. Um yeah, there's a and you know, as always, there's a bunch of really crazy cool lore books in there too that I think people are really gonna really gonna get excited about. Awesome. So awesome. No, it's, a lot of material to to jump into. That's great. I mean, we love that. Uh, <laughs> the fact that there's always new stuff every year with ESO is say, a huge boom, a boom to our material. show. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think you're you're really onto something there. This idea that the the culture itself is older than the more current culture across other parts of Morrowind and Absolutely. and these communities and you I mean again you see that in real world culture the the tie back to a history that's bigger and deeper and how that affects people's lives and their identity their self-identity um, and that's really cool because you're describing something that's very deep and interesting and and if I know anybody who's a fan of Morrowind and Dunmer and all of that that's part of it is that the right. their cultural identity how the houses of Morrowind interact with each other all of the complexity of that their worship all of that is just like chewy yummy nougat in the center of well, all of this stuff it's also interesting because even if you just take region by region which is ironically what we've been doing over the past several episodes of the podcast is jumping from region to region to just do an overview of each of the the different areas around the continent um just taking place within morrowind itself you describing just how different necrom is and and the telvani peninsula from you know mainland you know whether you're in deshan going to right. uh, you know morhold or or like the actual island of ardenfell like these are all the same area but they have their own unique twist to each of them. Yeah, like Florida and know. New York and Texas and California are all in the United States, but they're all very exactly. much their own but cultures in different places. Really different. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So that that totally makes sense. Well, we have to take a break. We got to go thank our patrons. So we'll be right back. We're definitely going to be digging into some more stuff. So don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an 
anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This is a Mishmorak Dragonborn, and you are educating yourself to the Elder Scrolls lore cast. We are forever thankful for Wes Johnson yeah, joining us on the show and, and sound giving us these really little sound just, bites. <laughs> the reason I listen yeah. to our own show, even when editing. Stuff. Yeah. And also, just real quick here in the middle of the show, Voice of Palooza is going on. We have a link that pops up if you want to donate to help fight Alzheimer's. That would be amazing. Uh, I am doing a panel. I'm helping host a panel with Wes Johnson and a bunch of other voice actors who have worked on Elder Scrolls games and Fallout games tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. So I know if you're listening to the audio of this, it'll be too late. But if you're here on the live show come join us it's at it's on my channel twitch.tv slash robots radio it's all in order to raise money for an amazing cause so come join us for that and even if you catch this later on and you want to donate i'll put a link in the in the show notes and all of that um also and oh, and, and uh uh my co-workers uh Rich Lambert and Bill Savasek and the yep. incredible uh, uh, Becky Ignoski are going to be on their own panel uh, with Wes, I believe, yeah. um, coming up as well. I don't know the date off the top of my head, but you get to hear those folks talk about the process of making all this stuff, bringing it to life. Uh, a lot of good uh, story nougats in that as well. I yeah. love how this is expanded into like a full like crossover where even though I like both games, like there was, <laughs> it was more of a fallout focused thing. And now it's like fallout and elder scrolls kind of just the way everything blends together. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's, it's really cool for a great cause. Yeah. Look up I voice can't... of Palooza. There are links. There will be videos up on YouTube of the uh, yep. different stuff. You can always go check that out stuff, stuff out later. Uh, so lots of awesome stuff, but then we got to thank our patrons. We'll do this real quick. Welcome to our newest patrons, Josh G, Joseph R and Sergi P. Thank you for joining us and supporting the show. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. So thank you very, very much. And shout outs to our Daedric Prince tier patrons, uh, Jacob K, Kirasi and Noodle Al Dente. I haven't asked them. I've, I've mentioned this, but I haven't found out specifically which Daedric Princes they are, but we've got mm, three of them mm. right here supporting the show. So thank you to all of you and all 122 of our patrons. You guys are amazing. Um, everyone. Congrats, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we've got some more reviews, but tell you what, I'm going to save those for next week so we can have as much time as possible to talk to the lore master here. So don't go anywhere. Let's continue the conversation. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, dear child of cities. That is why the Night Mother loves you. He did three of them, and I have to just put them all over the show. Cause, yeah, you know, sweet, sweet mother. Sweet, <laughs> sweet mother. Um, uh, yeah, she's she's quite the sweet mother. Um, Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Arcanist. This uh, Arcanist class, obviously. I've heard of that. Yeah, I mean, it's the big thing. Everybody's <laughs> so excited. Hey, they squeezed in a new class. Finally, we're getting a new class. This is awesome. Woo! Everybody gets excited, right? Um, and, it, and it looks awesome. Like, Lotus and I got to play it early at the event, yep. and Lotus actually went to the other event. Yeah, <laughs> the one in San Francisco where they let me play it for an irresponsible amount of time. So. <laughs> right. And now it's up on the PTS, so more people are trying it out. Um, now, it's, this is a class that's clearly 
clearly tied to the pursuit of hidden knowledge and Hermaeus Merrin in his realm, like you mentioned before. And we can roleplay our character origins and create our own headcanon for them. But to you, is there mm. a backstory to this class? You kind of hinted at this before. Is there like an unofficial or just an like uh, official or unofficial version of this? Like, how does this work? Sure. So uh, I'll give you the unofficial one. Um, cause the official one is, is just like I said, right. Um, uh, you as a, a person in Tamriel, you find or acquire or are given or are threatened with a book of unknowable, uh, impossible knowledge. And via this book and its connection to the realm of Apocrypha, you tap into this like incredible occultic power and then Sorry, and that's the only thing that's true about the Arcanist, like canonically, right? Okay, so everything that's else it. Is up to you. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Everything else, pretty cool. Everything else is up to you. Like, how do you get the book? Um, was it something you wanted? Is it something that you didn't want? Right? Yeah, like, you stumble on it like um, the Dragonborn just opens up a book and is like, oh god, now I'm in Apocrypha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Um, how, uh, you know, once you have the power, what do you do with it? Like, are you a big fan of Hermaeus Mora? Do you go to Apocrypha? looking to sign up right do you secretly want to like tear him down or, or steal the secrets of apocrypha for your own right like there's a lot of different like and i you know i've this is me having spent like what five seconds here describing this and, and we're already talking like 30 or 40 different characters right like the sure I, it's one of the things i think is most exciting about elder scrolls characters player characters um uh, rather than uh, any other rpg is like there's no you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what a Templar is, right? Like a Templar channels this beautiful um, golden light, these these powers. We very loosely suggest there may, if you so choose, be some connection to Stendar if you want. But like you and you know, all of us sitting here and, and probably a lot of people listening know that the Adra are extremely fickle. They don't talk to us. They don't engage with us anywhere else. So like... I all the time, all the time when I'm talking to my coworkers and we talk about lore, you were talking about the unreliable narrator earlier. Uh, the way that I frame that is like, you know, in the in the grand tradition of the dude, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> that's, um, great. that's great. So like if you want to tell me that you're a Templar that like channels Stendar's wrath to like destroy the undead, I'll be like, that's great, man. I believe you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Who's to say it's true, right? Right. Or maybe right. you were you, fooled by Azura and you exactly. think Azura yeah. is Stendar. <laughs> and and anything in between, Whoops. right? Like there's a yeah. lot of a lot of beautiful like sort of con like discontinuity there, which is I think very wonderful and lovely. Um unofficial canon, the the thing that I have in my head is uh have either of you ever read a series of novels called uh the the young wizards series there's a by no. an author by the name of diane duane no, okay. um, it's sort of harry potter before harry potter um it's a story of a young girl who finds a book in a library in a public library this is how old this book is she finds a book in a public library uh -huh. um and she learns how to cast magic from it it's a book called so you want to be a wizard um, and mm -hmm. Diane Duane was originally a computer programmer before she became a full-time author. Um, very talented woman, wrote a bunch of the old Star Trek novelizations, especially the original series. And so her version of magic is like, basically it's like a computer programming language for the universe where you can oh. like, go yeah. in and change the values of a star to save it from like exploding and, and killing a bunch of people in a solar system. Like Just that's, that's tapping what into the is. underlying code of 
reality. Exactly. Yeah. So that scene I described at the beginning of the novel um, where uh, the, the protagonist finds this book in the library, right? That was in my head the whole time um, that I was writing the Arcanist tooltips, that I was talking with the folks about the Arcanist. And that moment of discovery where you, as like a, a, like a person outside a world of mystery, discover sort of this portal into the unknown, um, that I read that book, I think, for the first time when I was like eight maybe. And it was such, it had a dramatic impact on me. In fact, there is a segment very near the beginning of the novel that made me a writer, like wow. full stop. Wow. Um, it's a longer set like paragraph, but it's, it basically pauses the idea that wizards love words and the ability to not fall asleep at night without reading a book first is one of the hallmarks of hey, maybe you have the aptitude to become a wizard. And that hit me so hard in my little tiny Zanke, like <laughs> brain pan um, that it, yeah, I, I many, many years later became a writer be- because of that novel. And so in all the tooltips and all the writing and all the conversations with the team, I had in my head that deep fundamental connection, that love of words and wordplay and the power of like just inherent knowledge, right? Like the power of words. Yeah. I mean, words are a representation of knowledge. That's, exactly. Right. Uh, they just trying to, trying to get that into every little iota of the arcanist that I could. That's the unofficial canon of the class. That's, that's pretty cool. Just cool. because I really like the way, like, I guess I hadn't really thought of it in regards to the other classes too, which you made reference specifically to the Templar, but I guess you could apply to any of them. It's kind of cool that, you know, when creating these things, you have like, that's your unofficial headcanon for like the crafting of this one specifically. Right. But then it just gives you like this open RPG template to do what the player wants with it. So it's that that's really cool that it's almost like just like here's the structure of the design, which has been such a longstanding thing with the series. But in the MMO regards, usually like you kind of have your staple setup which has always been weird because I don't really play MMOs. People have been like, yeah, ESO is different because it doesn't really do that. You can be sort of like, well, anything can heal or damage or, right. or, or, or tank or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. I guess that's pretty unique to this. Again, not having context outside <laughs> that, but it's interesting to see that like, it seems like a lot of the design around the classes in general are just like, yeah, no, everything is meant to just be like, your base template that you make your thing out of, which is really cool. Absolutely. It's wise. That's how people, I mean, people are still playing Skyrim and like I was talking with Rob, the princess who's in chat. I was playing Skyrim on stream yesterday. I downloaded 1800 mods (laughs) in this, (laughs) this mod installer pack and somehow it doesn't crash and it just runs. And, uh, like there are other ways due to the mods that you don't have to be the dragonborn. You can go do other things. But even in regular Skyrim, a lot of people will just play it where they're like, I'm not the dragonborn. I'm something right. else. Right. The live another the life thing or something right. like that. They're just going to go do something else. And, and so that's the way people interact with these games. And clearly you all understand that. So when somebody logs into Elder Scrolls online, they want to they want to craft their own experience. They want to be who they want to be. Absolutely. I, I still to this day, it blows me away. I was, I was uh, no longer with the team when the um, Dark Brotherhood and Thieves Guild content was shipped in the game. Uh, but I still, I got to tell you, I played every single bit of that top to bottom stem to stern. When I played Elder Scrolls games, my, my number one first character is always a stealth 
uh, Archer, right. like assassin character. Yeah, we joke that and, that's the uh, that's the gravitational pull. Yes, <laughs> Elder Scrolls yes. games. You have to fight it to not <laughs> fall into that. Yeah. Oh no, I give in every time. Uh, um, uh, Fallout too, same basic deal. Right. And so I, yeah, no, I I love that we're the type of game where you can be this holy roller, you know quote unquote paladin right standing up to the daedric princes and, and tanking like your life depends on it or you can be um how i usually play with is which is kind of a trash panda that likes to steal stuff from people's pockets in the yeah back <laughs> i hear that like, this one is that. taking this coin you no longer need it exactly yes. exactly no, I, and that's all the same game and i think that's right delightful. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I love that because, yeah, I always tend to fall into being a murder hobo every game. So, like, <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> You're the best uh, companion in any Dungeons and Dragons scenario. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, here, here, we're getting close to the end of the show and I don't want to take you to keep you here too long. But I've got one final question. And this is something I posed to you in Vegas. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I raised this question. Uh, OK. And. Obviously, this is a metaphor, but it's mm. it's a fun metaphor to play with. Let's say you meet a person who's a cat person. They have lots of cats. They have so many cats that they have. And they're also a fan of Elder Scrolls. And they have a cat for every Daedric Prince. How many cats do they own? <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I believe, oh, man, I apologize. I don't remember off the top of my head how many Daedric Princes there are. But I, I think what we determined, right, was like, because when you talk about like Sheo versus Jiglag, right? Right. Like, so the, what, the, is, what is that? Right. right? The, the real question is that it seems like there's more than what's supposed to be in there. If you do the hub and spokes thing mm, where yeah. you're like, okay, there's this many Adra and there's this many Daedra. Yeah. But what about Sheogorath and Jigalak? So let's, okay. Right. So the, the, do they have a Sheogorath cat and a Jigalag yep. cat? And I believe we also talked about, of course, Fargrave as well, right? Which is sort of its own big question mark hanging out there in the universe. So I, I feel like the, the the correct answer to this question, how many cats does this person have, is is that some that's a secret that we weren't meant to know, right? Like the the, uh -huh. the cats like dart behind the couch sometimes, right? When you look, and you're just like, not is there. there not, is Was there I trying to count Elder Scrolls? Right. I thought there were yes, seven. Exactly. Why are there nine? Right. Was there a right, flaming right, right, red right. one over there just a minute ago? What happened? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Like you look in the shadows and you think you see a cat but was it was was it just a mirror like what was it right like um so yeah uh i don't know the answer to how many cats she has in her house okay. well, well let's think, let's dig into specifics is there a sheogorth and a jigalag i mean the the or, or are they me, the same cat to me the thing that makes the most sense right is like um yeah, it's mostly a Sheo cat, but like every once in a while, the Sheo cat escapes at the front door, right? I was going to say, like, sometimes yeah. it leaves. Exactly. <laughs> it gets replaced. Exactly. And and so she, she like, she, she borrows a friend's cat, right? To kind of <laughs> right. fill that, that role in her, in her life until the, eventually the Sheo cat comes back. It might look slightly different. Don't worry. That's fine. It's okay. It's still the Sheo cat. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. just okay. the temporary replacement until the yeah, other exactly. one comes back. I can back. see that one. That All was right. exactly where my, my mind went with that one. Too, right. Yeah. So, okay. What about Clavicus Vile? Right. Is there course. a Clavicus Vile cat? And then, if so, what is Barbus? I'm pretty sure we were like on the <laughs> axis of Barbus is like a, a guinea pig, maybe. Right. right? It's like, like the like cat's little... pet. 
Yeah, like the cat's pet, exactly. Um, okay, because you know, there's it, there's the debate that they're actually one in the same entity, just kind of mm, split apart, mm, or mm. they're not, and kind of like um, Sheogorath has, uh, what's his face, his helper guy? Um, Haskell. Haskell. Haskell right. isn't Sheogorath, but somehow is always there and seems to be immortal in some way or whatever. Like, what the heck is Haskell? We don't really know. Right. But in like this context, I think like a rat with like a pretty bow. Like yeah. Okay. Collar, so like, right? yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it was mentioned in chat. Yeah. Stuffed mouse. From- yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, there you go. She's related for sure. Yep, there you go. And then, of Dad. course, the Adra are obviously dogs, right? Like the Adra just, are dogs. Yes. That just makes a ton of sense. Um, I think in particular, I think we talked about the Stendar dog being a very good boy, a very good boy, <laughs> a, a golden retriever, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Just like a, right. not the smartest of all the dogs in this particular pantheon, but like just, just so full of energy. Just a good boy. boy. Yeah. 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 I'll get the bone. I'll get the bone. Yeah. I got the bone. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. What about Malakath? And if there's a Malakath cat, what is Trinimac? So uh, my posit is there's, I think there should be both a Malakath, um, there should be both a Malakath and a Trinimac, right? Just to make make things nice and clean. Make because sure, again, Malakath. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Weatherhorn beat me to Malachat. that pun. I'm so glad oh, somebody no. else thought of that. Oh. <laughs> it's like so Malakath. I'm surprised that's nice not the weather. the Khajiit Great name lines. for Malakath. Oh man, Malakath. Uh, I, I was reminded that we have in the in 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 the in the store. Um, uh, the uh, Catwell uh, little little cat, right? So uh-huh. yeah, that's puns. We're not above pu- cat like animal puns <laughs> yeah. in, in our in our world. Right. Um, yeah, Malakat and Trinib- I, I think they should be separate, right? Because we don't know how many cats there are in the house, right? And yeah. depending on who you are, you might want that good dog. You might you might be a dog person. You might be a cat person. I don't want to. I don't want to harsh anyone's groove there. Right. Right. Okay. So here's here's another question. We talked about the Adra. The Adra clearly dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the tribunal. What are they? Jeez. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I think. They're not so, cats or dogs, probably. No, no. right? They're as they're totally weird their as own we thing. Possibly get yeah, like. But are, the, are they all, all the same other thing? Are they all like hamsters? Oh, no. No, 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 they're no, all no, individually no. different animals. Yeah, so like you know, like Vivek is is like I don't know, like an iguana or something. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. And like Almalexia is like a stork. Like Maybe. a bird, yeah. Nice. Like a bird, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. then I think Sothisil, Sothisil has got to be, right, like one of those weird, like the bobbing, like the dipping birds, right? Like <laughs> like when the know. water ones that don't yeah, like yeah, you put yeah, in yeah. your oh, drink. Okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like the thing on the Simpsons where it was, exactly. it was ordering a tab and it screwed yeah. up and caused it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. very ornate, like way over-designed, like Sothisil bird, right? But like, yeah, right. he's some sort of like over-elaborate paperweight, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking like one of those like automated vacuum cleaners. <laughs> oh, like a, <laughs> like a, like a Zoom, Roomba. Roomba. That's what they're called. So this little Roomba, it's, that sounds delightful. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So two so, more. Hold on. Before we move on from that one, because right. ironically, I have a specific thing to that exact part hmm. that was actually written into us on Tales of Tamriel. Somebody responded to me via that one. And awesome. I, I wanted to add this on their behalf. So this is from M. Kari. Um, and she specifically says the tribunal are chihuahuas. They think they're dogs <laughs> and technically they might classify as dogs but they're just really loud egos in a tiny body that's amazing that's so good so, so shout out to Ramkar because i thought that response was hysterical that's pretty great right that's pretty great all right so two more two more tiber septum 
Yeah. What is Tybercept? Um, is Tybercepton also a dog? Or it used to be a person who became a dog? Like, what? Jeez, Tybercepton is a good one. Also, Tybercept, like, there's the whole myth of, like, he's multiple individual people that combined, and, like, there's, like, weird stuff, right? Right, right. Yeah, the historicity of Tybercepton is, is thankfully beyond uh, ESO's uh, framework, so I don't, I, right. on an average day, I don't have to care very much about that. Right, it hasn't happened say, yet in the in exactly. ESO, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, man, I would say... What is Tyberceptum? So would it be like a platypus where it's just an amalgam of a whole bunch of animals? <laughs> I, I kind of like the, actually, I kind of love the Chihuahua thing, right? But maybe like, maybe not a Chihuahua, maybe like a, like a really, oh, um, you know, like a mutt, right? Like the many into one, okay. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, and it's a little bit small. There's like some terrier in there. There's some corgi, right? <laughs> right. Like yep. a lot of smaller dogs that think they're, they're a big deal. Right. And, and eventually, you know, that, that corgi becomes a beautiful, I don't know, like great Dane or some damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> it somehow evolved into a great Dane. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. One, one left. Mm. Ebon arm. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Evanarm yes. is like the the gets referenced in a lot of the really old lore. Yes, right. but then just like pole. disappears. A statue in ESO to Evanarm. Right, is even weird. Totally, just yep. nobody talks about Evanarm. What the what the heck is Evanarm? What is Evanarm? I think Evanarm. I'm gonna go with like a hairless cat. Okay. Right? <laughs> like in the neck of the you know earlier we talked about how daedric prince is sort of a catch-all term right mm-hmm. like a, just a generic term and i don't think i've been armed as a daedric prince just to say that really clearly in case anyone thinks i'm writing lore out of my sure. face right now. i'm not right. saying that right, right i'm just saying right. for this metaphorical space we're playing in right now right like a weird hairless cat <laughs> right like fit a whole bunch of categories yeah exactly yeah. not like, quite a dog hypoallergenic not really a cat not really a dog not really a cat like doesn't doesn't trigger anyone's asthma like that's i I think that's Ebonar. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I enjoy that Ebonar reference. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. No, I mean, we could go further into this, but uh, we've got to, we got to wrap up the episode. Like what are dragons? But we, we won't go there. Yeah. Um, oh Some of those are great. <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Lotus Thanks and I are very excited about the new content and we love Hermes Mora and his forbidden knowledge. And, and I mean, what you're doing with this year's content is very much parts of Elder Scrolls that separates it from some other fantasies in in very interesting and engaging ways. So, um, of course, we're going to be all over getting through the stories and, and, you know, learning as much as you can from the lore books and all of that. So thank you for being here. Is there anything else you want to share before we head out? Uh, No, I think we got... um we got a bunch of fun stuff uh, coming up before uh, the release. There's uh, There were questions put out for a Loremasters Archive that'll be coming up soon, answered by my boy, uh, Azander Alcibiades. Um, he's That's a very cool. giant tool bag. I can't wait for you to meet him. <laughs> okay. he's, he's the best uh, uh, voice actor by an incredibly talented gentleman, uh, Tommy Jenkins. Just just a delight. Um, I think people are really going to like him. So yeah, watch out for that Loremasters Archive. I think we got a couple more articles coming up uh, on the website and uh yeah i just i can't wait for people to get in there um in like you said a little little less than a month now yeah yeah and uh see what hot nonsense we've been brewing up what hot nonsense awesome well thank you so much and uh, lotus you have anything else you want to share before we head out uh no i've just been continuing my playthrough of the elder scrolls 2 daggerfall to catch everybody up on um 
that is a game way ahead of its time and also procedural generation makes me go crazy um but yeah other than so that, many hallways know, architects so many making hallways. so many hallways uh, <laughs> and they all look so similar um <laughs> but otherwise we'll just be recording an episode of uh tales of tamriel presented by the unofficial older scrolls pages uh Hopefully sometime over the next couple of days, I have a wedding, plus there's Mother's Day this weekend, but we need to cover all of the uh, White Strikes mayhem that's happening uh, with that. So just look for that soon on your podcaster of choice. Awesome. And you can find Tales of Tamriel, this show, any of the other shows on the network at robotsradio.net. You can also join us here live, twitch.tv slash robotsradio for future stuff or tomorrow night, oh, tomorrow afternoon slash evening ish for the uh, like that. voice of Palooza stuff. So come, come join us for that. Lots of fun stuff going on. Thank you again for being here and we'll see you Thanks next time. Me. Yeah. Bye everybody. Bye all. See you later. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms Come join us. We'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after. Either way, just come hang out with us. And if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the Robots Radio Network, go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network, including the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where I help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows, build their audiences, and create the best podcasts they possibly can. All of that at robotsradio.net. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.